So as I said, we're celebrating Corpus Christi this weekend, and that's an entire day just to thank God for the incredible gift of the Eucharist. Jesus really is present in the Eucharist. It's not a symbol, it's not a sign, it's not some kind of spiritual thing, it really is Jesus. He is just as real in communion as the person is sitting next to you right now. And as crazy as this may seem, this was universally believed by all Christians in the world without any serious question until the time of the Reformation in the 1500s. Everyone believed this. It's very clear that Jesus himself meant this. He says in the Gospels, we just heard one of them today, this is my body. This is my blood. And there's a famous passage in John chapter 6 where Jesus goes on and on at great length about this and many of his followers abandoned him because they, they said, this is too much. How can we believe this? And Jesus didn't say, no, 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 I, I didn't mean it. it was just, it's just a symbol. It's just a sign. No. He let them go because he meant it and he knew that this would be challenging for some of them to understand this and believe it. And now it's taken a while for the church to even have the language to really uh, describe how this works. And the theology is really based on the, the philosophy of St. Thomas Aquinas. And from him we get this, this big fancy theological word, transubstantiation. So everybody say it with me, transubstantiation. I went and visited the second graders a few weeks ago before their first communion and I was explaining all of this to them. And I thought, it was, I thought it was feeling pretty smart, even wrote it up on the board, and then at the end of the little lesson, I realized I spelled it wrong. I'd, I'd forgotten an entire syllable, but hopefully none of them noticed. But transubstantiation is the belief that Jesus, the substance of Jesus, becomes present. So even though the host and the wine look the same after consecration, taste the same, the substance is no longer just bread and wine, but it miraculously has been transformed into the very substance of Jesus Christ himself. That's what we believe, and that's what we're celebrating today. So I wanna focus on maybe one particular element of the Eucharist that maybe is overlooked sometimes, and I'm gonna talk about two uh, particular teachings that are often misunderstood among Catholics today. So, first, the part of the Eucharist that I wanna focus on is the fact that this is an offering. It is a giving of our worship to God. It's very easy for us to come to Mass thinking, what can I get out of this? I want this to be a good experience. I wanna have good music. I wanna have good preaching and all those things. And, and certainly it's, it's perfectly reasonable to, to look for those things, but we should never forget that in addition to receiving something in communion, receiving something by coming to church, we are here to give something to God. At Mass, we are called to offer ourselves to the Father, to worship Him. In the book of Exodus, when the Hebrews are being set free from slavery in Egypt, what's interesting is they keep repeating this reason for their desire to be set free. It's not just so that they don't have to work so hard anymore. It's not just so that they can be free. They keep saying, we need to go into the wilderness to offer worship to our God. 
And if you keep reading through the Old Testament, you'll get to the whole book of Leviticus, an entire book of the Bible talking at great detail about how we are to worship God. God has revealed to us how he wants us to offer worship to him. And the Mass that we celebrate today is the fulfillment of all that came before in the Old Testament. There was the sacrifice of all the different offerings. They would offer animal sacrifices, they'd offer grain sacrifices. All of this is fulfilled in Jesus, the perfect Lamb of sacrifice. In fact, in some parishes in our diocese, there's this trend developing where the priests are going back to celebrating Mass kind of the old school way where during the Eucharistic prayer, they face this way. It's called ad orientum, to the east. That's meant to be an outward sign of that dimension of the liturgy, that we're not just here kind of amongst ourselves only, but we are together offering a, a gift of sacrifice and worship to our God. This is part of the Eucharist that is often overlooked. So the next time you come to Mass and you're tired, and maybe the music isn't that great, or Father Joe's homily is too long, remember that you're not just there to get something. You're there to offer yourself to God. You're there to unite all of your prayers to the perfect offering of Jesus present in the Eucharist. And by attaching ourselves, if you will, to Jesus, we are made into a perfect offering to God the Father. So now the first point that's often misunderstood by Catholics today or not even understood at all, the point that I want to focus on now is that confession is necessary to prepare our hearts to receive Jesus in communion. Now it's not that you have to go to confession every single time you take communion, but if there's ever any serious sin on your conscience, this must be taken to confession before you come forward for communion. The Catechism in paragraph 1415 says this, and I quote, anyone who wishes to receive Christ in Eucharistic communion must be in the state of grace. State of grace means no mortal sin on your heart. Anyone aware of having sinned mortally must not receive communion without having received absolution in the sacrament of penance. And this comes right from the New Testament. St. Paul in his first letter to the Corinthians chapter 11 says, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and the blood of the Lord. Now there was a time in the history of the church when there was an excessive focus on this. In the late 1800s or so, everyone went to confession constantly and hardly anyone ever went to communion because nobody felt like they were truly worthy. And that was a problem that was corrected largely by the teaching of Pope Pius X, who encouraged all Catholics to receive communion frequently, even daily so long as they're going to confession if they commit mortal sin. So that was one sort of extreme of, of excessive focus on sin and confession. Now, however, the church is very much on the opposite end of that spectrum, where everyone goes to communion very freely and casually, and hardly anyone 
goes to confession often. This is a problem. Our hearts need to be prepared to receive the living Jesus. And if there's any presence of mortal sin in our hearts, we need to bring this to confession first because if we don't, we're committing a sacrilege. It's damaging our soul to do so. It's better to abstain, to not come forward for communion if we're not prepared, than to just sort of casually go forward as if it's not a big deal. So what, you might ask, is a mortal sin? The church has some pretty clear parameters. Now, sometimes it's hard to, in the the messiness of life, to really get this down very clearly, but having some parameters is helpful. So the church says a mortal sin, first of all, it has to be grave matter. You have to have full knowledge. You have to know that it's seriously wrong. And thirdly, you have to have complete consent. But if those three qualities are present, then yes, that would be a mortal sin. And it would need to be confessed before coming forward for communion. I'm not going to go into length about all the the moral theology because it gets very complex very quickly, but just some very common mortal sins. Probably the most common one is just skipping Sunday Mass. Now I know we've all had this over a year of dispensation, so maybe we've kind of gotten out of the habit of of that, and there's a whole other conversation about how that could have been done if this really is so important to come to Mass, but I'm not going to get into that today. The point is, the dispensation is over now. We're back to a more normal state, and so if we're just skipping Mass for no good reason, the church has always understood this is gravely wrong. So we can't just skip Mass for a couple of weeks and then come back and then come forward for communion like it's no big deal. No, we need to come to confession to repent from that sin. And the other much more, uh, much very common mortal sins is all kinds of different sexual sins, right? Any sort of sexual activity outside of the covenant of marriage, whether it's by yourself or with your girlfriend or whatever, that is all definitely mortal sin. In any of these ways, we need to prepare our hearts to receive the incredible gift of Jesus in communion. And secondly, finally, another area often misunderstood is when it comes to communion for our brothers and sisters who are not Catholic, those who are in Protestant churches. The Catholic Church, since the time of the Reformation, has been very clear that communion may not be given to those who are not Catholic. And someone might ask, well, why? Isn't that harsh? Aren't you just going to drive people away? And to know the answer, we have to first ask, what does communion mean in the first place? What does it mean to receive communion? Many of us might look at it as a very casual sort of just welcoming event. You know, you just bring everybody together and you take some Jesus and you go back home and, and that's basically it. But the Catholic Church believes so much more about communion than just that. In many ways, that's what different Protestant churches believe, but that's, that's not what we believe. We believe communion, to take communion is to say, when the priest says, the body of Christ, and you say, amen, you are saying, first of all, that yes, I believe that this 
is Jesus, body and blood, soul and divinity, and I want to receive him, and I'm prepared to receive him. Yes, I believe everything the Catholic Church teaches to be revealed by God, and I'm doing my best to be faithful to living that out in all of the different areas of my life. Yes, I believe all of that, and so I'm coming forward to receive Jesus in communion. It's this profound sign, the sacrament of unity. And if that's what communion means, then of course, if someone does not believe in the true presence, if someone does not believe all of the church's teaching, then they should not come forward to receive it. It's a contradiction of what the sacrament itself is meant to be. And if any of this seems controversial or difficult, this is what Christians have believed from the very beginning. There are so many quotes I could read, but I'm just going to do one. This is from St. Justin Martyr from the second century. He says, No one may take part in communion unless he believes that what we teach is true, has received baptism for the forgiveness of sins and new birth, and lives in keeping with what Christ taught. So if we really want to be living out the fullness of Christianity as Christians believed from the earliest days, then this is part of it. This is what communion means. This is why at every funeral at the parish and every wedding, because there are often people from all over the place that come for those events, we'll always give a little instruction right before communion time, inviting people to come forward only if they're practicing Catholic and have made a good confession. We're not trying to offend anyone, and sometimes people do get offended, but it's because we are trying to be faithful to the fullness of what the Eucharist really is. There's been a lot of teaching and a lot of practice in the church over the last 50 years that in many ways has tried to water down our understanding of the Eucharist in, a, in an attempt to try to kind of make our faith a little more palatable to the modern world. But what we have seen is that this has failed. This has not made our church grow, but this has made our churches shrink. People have been abandoning their Catholic faith in droves. Because if the Eucharist is just some sort of symbol, if it's just a generic welcoming event that doesn't really have any real-life implications, then who cares about it? That's what so many young people are thinking today, and that's why so many are leaving the church. If we want our churches to come alive, if we want our young ones to come back to practicing their faith, we need to live out and uphold the beauty and the fullness of this teaching on the Eucharist once again. So in conclusion, I want to go back to where I started with giving worship to God through communion. Heaven is just that. Heaven is going to be this eternal worship of God the Father. And every time we gather for Mass, every time we come forward to receive communion, to offer our lives to God, it's like a little preparation for the eternal worship that is to come. And if we're not able to make time to come and worship God every Sunday, if we're not able to make room for that, what makes us think we're going to want to do it for eternity. So let's prepare for heaven now. Let's enter into that 
profound worship of God our Father by uniting ourselves to Jesus in the Eucharist, the perfect offering, the perfect sacrifice, so that through him we may be made into an offering acceptable to God.